Hi, welcome to the Axiom Podcast. I'm Joey Brannon here today with Cameron Earhart. Good morning, Cameron. Good morning. So we're going to be talking uh, about firing people today. Right? <laughs> <laughs> we've been joking, we've been planning this episode, and that's been the um, kind of the running joke. And uh, but really, what we're what we're actually talking about is how do you turn a culture around, which is a little bit different than what we usually talk about when we talk about culture on this podcast. Right. Yeah. Normally, when we talk about culture, we're going to talk about how do we build a culture based around values. How do we implement one on one so that there's a culture of coaching and training that, that's constantly happening. But that um, is only going to work with a culture that has gotten to a point where the the uh, the people within it are ready to take on those new initiatives so today we're going to talk about okay what about if that culture isn't even close to there the culture needs to do a 180 so there's a high level of toxicity and, and let's get into some of the context of what we're talking about but there's just things going on in this culture that we know if we were to even try to implement values if we were to try to implement one-on-ones it would just turn out worse it, w- it would keep going downhill so Let's lay the foundation first. Talk about some of the, um, I guess, the telltale signs that a culture needs a 180. Okay, so one of the ones that you've talked about before is high turnover. So we go into a situation, or maybe you're you're listening to this, and um, I think sometimes you know you've got a toxic culture. Other times, because you're and isolated and you're not seeing, you know, we see, we just saw a business this morning, you know, like by all appearances, very healthy culture mm-hmm. owner who's very engaged and cares about the employees. And, um, and we haven't gotten to know the rest of the team yet, but we'll, we'll talk to, we, and then we talked to another business owner, you know, on our way out of that appointment. And, and I was with two yesterday. My point is, uh, if you don't have the benefit of seeing all these businesses side by side, and you've just been working in the same company or you've been you've had the same company your own company for 15 20 25 years you may not know you may not actually understand how toxic it really is right. the other thing too is you as the owner if you're listening to this as the owner you do live in somewhat of a bubble mm-hmm. right people are not kind of freely sharing with you the way things actually are the, the what's really going on how people really feel so you might need to look at some objective kind of warning signs that would tell you maybe I maybe my culture is not as great as I think it is or maybe it's actually toxic I mean maybe it's it needs a 180 it's not just growing it's got to turn around first right you might be blinded to it just because it's the way it's been here for 10 years I mean we make 10 million a right. year so like, right. <laughs> sure our turnover sucks we lose way more people than we want to but we're making decent money right that's um, the industry we're in you're like really that's interesting because we just came from a business last week that's in your exact same industry and they've got a third of the turnover that you have right, right. So you can talk yourself into it's not as bad as I think it is because I'm just used to it yeah and especially easy right now you know during the great resignation to to just excuse it away everybody's losing people right um, sure like to an extent yes but i mean we just left a construction company that hasn't lost anybody during the great resignation right so it's possible to not lose people by having a really great culture right so high turnover if you're looking back over you know who's here now uh, who's not here now that was here a year ago right mm-hmm. that's one way to, to think about it um you know and the other thing is that it, when we talk about culture, I mean, it's all, this is all people stuff, right? right? Words on the wall don't make a difference in culture. It's the right. people, you know, reading the words on the wall and doing something about them that can make a difference and vice versa. It's the people that are going to cause the problems. And, 
uh, I think this is one of those kind of gut punch questions. You know, if you were to ask a business owner, hey, is there anybody on your team that when they go on vacation or when they call in sick, like everybody's mood improves, <laughs> like the, the, the sky gets brighter, you know, the, the, yeah. the breeze blows a little bit more fresh, you know, because John's not here today. Yeah. You know? And that's like, that is a telltale indicator that you have a problem. Um, and, and hopefully <laughs> it's not you, the business owner that, right. that generates <laughs> that kind of positive change by calling in sick. And people are like, Oh my God, no, no, there's a, I get it. There's an element where when, when the business owner's out, it's a little bit more relaxed. It's a little bit less pressured, especially if you've got somebody who's hard charging, high strung. But if it's a thing where, wow, we don't have to listen to Joey blow up today. We don't have to you know, put up with the, the, the constant berating or the bullying or you know, what the, the mm -hmm. behaviors. And people are like, man, so glad I don't have to deal with that today. That's a huge, huge issue. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When, uh, you know, when you ask the other employees, cause when we go in during a strategic assessment, we talk to all the key players on the team. And so, you know, when we say, yeah, tell us, you know, tell us a little bit more about Tom, you know, and, and it's, uh, like, yeah, uh, a lot of people have issues with Tom. Like, yeah. okay, a lot of people, is that is that everybody? Well, everybody but Susie. Tom and Susie get along really good, but <laughs> like nobody else. You know, and then you start to see like, okay, there there is levels of toxicity in this culture because you, you start to notice like teams forming, right? Like, yeah. like they got their team over here, we got our team over here. Like there's no unity within the team. So yeah, I think that's a big one. And then another one is just this culture has been created of, we're constantly putting out fires. And we hear that a lot when we start with businesses. That's, that's I feel like one of the main reasons that a, a business owner will bring us in is because I'm getting pulled in a hundred different directions. I'm constantly putting out fires. My leadership team is constantly putting out fires. Um, there's, you know, we're working 80 hours a week. We're doing everybody else's jobs, like, and we can't figure this out. So that's, um, you know, that's obviously a clear telltale sign that there's toxicity in that culture, but talk about a little bit about what causes that, how, you know, how do we even get there? Well, when you don't have, uh, there, so there's, there's a, there's a side of putting out fires that could be purely operational. You know, it's just mm -hmm. like, we haven't done a good job of standardizing things. Maybe we've grown really fast and we hired this person from this company over here and they're in our industry and they've got a lot of experience. And then we hired this person from another company in our industry and they've got a lot of experience and I heard this person has been here a long time and they've kind of figured it out on their own. And these three people are bringing three different types of processes or three different ways of handling things to the table. And they, that's, that can lead to some putting out fires. Mm -hmm. You got, you know, the, the fire chief is the manager in that case is constantly trying to figure out, you know, why can't we get this done the same way every time? That's not necessarily what we're talking about. Right. The fires that we're talking about are people fires. Drama, I guess, is probably the easiest way to put it that most people will get and be like, oh, I know exactly what he's talking about. You know, yep. you come in on a Monday morning or you come in on a Tuesday morning and there's something you've got a full plate of work and you find you're, you're spending 30, 45 minutes or longer meeting with this person. You got upset by this person and then meeting that person and maybe two together or trying to figure out from another third party who was really right and who was really wrong and what really happened here and how do we keep this from going. And I think what we find in when, when a culture begins to kind of accelerate down this toxicity route, not only does the drama increase, but the way that you deal with the drama uh, is, is highly dysfunctional. And we see this a lot in growing companies where the method, the tactic, 
tactic to deal with the drama is to separate the people and not deal with the the behavior mm-hmm. you know usually from one or possibly both individuals but my my experience is that it's usually coming from one person and the other person you know the victim so to speak you know is is you know, going to have to deal with it. If you got two people who are responsible for the toxic behavior, they usually like blow themselves up. Like mm-hmm. they, the problem they create is so big and so momentous. And the disruption is so great that even, even an oblivious business owner or manager at some point, it's like, I'm sorry, you guys got to go. Like we can't do this anymore. Right. It's more often the case that you've got one person who's primarily toxic and is creating those drama situations. And there's just like this trail of dead bodies behind them. <laughs> you know, people who, who've had to put up with this and we keep trying to isolate the two people so they don't have to, to interact with each other. And this can go on for weeks or months. And, you know, at some point you got to admit, this is not the kind of fires that we should be putting out operational fires. Yeah. Process fires. Yeah. People fires, drama. Absolutely not. Yep. yep, That's a good one. And then uh, I would go to poor communication next. So this is, it's just typically something that you, you notice, um, just by being in the company for a day, you're like, like, wow, just the way people talk to each other, right? Cultures are created by either omission or commission. And so when a business owner or leadership team has allowed or enabled just poor communication with each other to happen, it really just breeds a deep level of toxicity. Like we just don't communicate well here. We talk to each other poorly. We send uh, emails and texts to each other that are just word it very harshly because we don't want to say it to each other's face at times. Mm-hmm. And when you start running into that, it, it takes a toll on people because everybody has you know the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. Right. And so just constantly having that poor interaction with your teammates, people that you're spending 2,000 hours a year with is going to take a deep toll on your emotional and spiritual, especially. Yeah. And I would say in that realm of poor communication, some of the things that we see that we could put our finger on and say, these might be problems is, um, you know, like the meeting after the meeting, you know, so there, we talk about something as a group, but we don't share all the information with everybody. We share a little bit more with some people than others. Hmm. Um, and, and not, I'm not saying like, Oh, you know, the owner knows everything and everybody else has to know everything. What I'm saying is, We've got two leaders and one of them you trust with information and one of them you don't, right? Mm. Or, or um, the, the, a lot of the back channel stuff, uh, just a lot of um, lobbying and politicking when people are, are trying to make their case uh, and build constituencies. And it kind of goes back to what you're saying before you, you hit on this a little bit, like the factions, like we got yeah. th- this team and that team and these people are, you know, I know that if so-and-so brings something up in a meeting, they've already talked to Jeff, you know, or, or right. John and Sue about it. And the rest of us are hearing about it for the first time. That is, that's a level of toxicity that it doesn't bode well for you being able to roll out things like values and vision and, and do one-to-ones and, and have a culture where everybody's on the same page. If your communication isn't on the same page, you have to be careful who you share certain things with. That That's an indicator that you're in a 180 situation, not a, a build from scratch situation. So when we, when we get to the last kind of last one that I was thinking about here, lack of nuance. Uh, and what I mean by that is when we hear business owners talk about their situation, 
it's there's there's no middle ground it's either all great or it's all terrible right and mm-hmm. so it's either like we've got the greatest team in the world oh, yeah. like our communication's amazing you know our our guys they're they're top performers everybody's got their back everybody knows what they're doing i'm like really because you'd be the literally the first company in in the history of axiom that we worked with where everybody had it and it was all good right um or it's all terrible i can't find good people uh, we don't know where we're going. We don't know what we're doing. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And it's just that those two extremes, almost bipolar extremes, if if you find yourself on either one of those, and it's not going back and forth between them. It's either like all of one or all of the the other. Yep. But it's just that lack of middle ground. You can't, uh, you with your team, you can't acknowledge the areas where you need to grow culturally. You can't acknowledge the areas where you're deficient. You can't acknowledge that there are people by name that have some certain challenges that you need to work with them over. Mm. Um, or you just, you can't find any good in anybody in your team and you're <laughs> constantly frustrated by that. That's a 180 situation. Like there's very little that we can do to start to build a culture until we address the parts of it that are severely, severely broken. And they're actually working against you. Like right. it's, it's not that, um, Hey, we need a better culture. It's that the culture that we have is so bad. It's impacting the business in very tangible ways. And so that's the, those are the situations we're talking about. Those are kind of the hallmarks and some of the indicators of it. Um, but let's say, okay, you're now you're convinced you're like, yep, it sucks. Right. My <laughs> culture is not great. Um, I, I know I've got a lot of work to do and I've, and it's, it's, Maybe it's a 180 degree situation. Maybe it's a 120 degree situation, but like I'm going in the wrong direction. Got to turn it around. What's the first step? Yeah. So if, if you listen to our podcast long enough, you would think that at this point we would say the first step is you got to implement values. You got to implement all once, but those come later. There's some stuff that we have to do first to accomplish that 180. Like we were talking about at the beginning and the first thing is remove the toxicity. So <laughs> jump into that. Yeah. So this is where the title of the podcast, you know, fire everybody comes right. from. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Unfortunately, until you remove some of those toxic, the people who are responsible for the toxic behavior, and it's not, I want to say it's the people themselves, you know, I mean, we're Christians. We, we believe that we've all been created by, by a creator who loves us and cares for us. And we ought to love our neighbor as ourselves. But unfortunately, sometimes that neighbor's behavior is such that we just have to remove ourselves from them. And we still, still care for the person, still look out for them. We're talking about some ways to do that. But unfortunately, they cannot be allowed to remain in this environment because mm-hmm. we recognize the effect their behavior is having on everybody else. So we got to remove them. And if you've got anybody who's uh, like for me, like the biggest indicator is like the bullying behavior. If you if we walk into a situation and we recognize that somebody's a bully, it's a little bit harder to see than it is on the elementary school playground, you know, where the bully's got the, you know, the crew cut hair and he's a little bit bigger than the other kids and he's got a little posse behind him and they're just terrorizing all the underclassmen. We don't it's not that easy to spot in in business cultures. But there are some ways that you see it crop up and it's dismissiveness mm-hmm. uh, during meetings. It, it it's it's more demeanor than anything. You can, over time, you can see this play out. And when I say over time, I'm talking like days, not even weeks, but any amount of time we spend around a leadership team and we watch the interactions between the team members, we can see who the bullies are. 
They're the people who shoot down discussion. Mm. They're the people who throw their weight around. They're the people who say things like, well, I've been doing this for 30 years, right. you know, and you've only been in the industry for five, you know, and that's, that's how they win an argument. And yep. everything is an argument to win. There's, uh, bullies are, they can't give up ground and they cannot, uh, acknowledge the, the, valid points in somebody else's position that is different from their own because then they lose their status and standing. They lose their identity as the person who's never wrong. Yeah. And when you have people like that, uh, we're getting ready to embark on a journey with a company, not only to put in place a, a great and thriving culture, but to bring new ideas to the table to figure out the best strategies to accomplish vision, to brainstorm ways in which we might measure goals and what priorities should be and how we're going to solve real life problems that are coming up in the business every single day. And somebody who's like, well, I've been doing this for 30 <laughs> years and this is the way it needs to be done and shoots down every opportunity for discussion is not going to be compatible with that. Yeah, and I guarantee you that person does not want axiom at the table because <laughs> this is a very good point uh it's funny you mentioned that i hadn't even thought about that but there are, we walk into situations and we can usually tell who is not going to want us around yep. and sometimes sometimes it's because uh we are starting to put in place things where lack of performance is going to be more obvious uh it's going to be things like uh lack of engagement is going to be more obvious it's going to be areas where um, we're going to be we're going to challenge ideas and we're going to challenge status quo, yep. and we see people bristle at that, right? And there's other other situations where um, bullies can recognize the playground bully recognizes the new kid that's going to kick their teeth in, mm -hmm. right? And they're like they tread a little bit light. They might test and push and prod, but as soon as that person stands up to them. They're like, oh man, this is this is not. I got to go find a new playground, mm. and I think that um, we have an ability. Uh, and I pat ourselves on the back, but it's just like when you come in from the outside, it's not just Axiom. It's anybody who came in from the outside. It could be a new key employee who comes into that business, and isn't accustomed to that playground. And right away, they're like, that person's a bully. Right? How are you guys not seeing this? And you just get accustomed to it, and you get. Um, you put up with it. And that old adage by Henry Cloud, the, the situation you have as a leader is either the situation that you created or the situation that you've allowed to exist. Mm -hmm. And when that's the case, uh, it, it is often common for, for the team that's in place to kind of just turn a blind eye to him. Like, yeah, he's a bully. All right. Uh, we just kind of, we just learned to deal with it. Right. But he's been here for 20 years right. and he's in this position of leadership. Right. Yeah. And, and then, I mean, along the same lines, people that are far more concerned with their own success than the success of the team of the company. And now I'm not, I'm not saying you can't be competitive. I'm not saying you can't be for your own success, but when it's clear that you are constantly putting yourself above other team members, above the needs of the company, and you're only looking out for yourself. I mean, it, typically stems from a high level of insecurity, mm -hmm. but those, those type of people, they, they're bringing such a high level of toxicity to the team that it is telling the team, this is not about unity. This is not about working together. This is about competing against each other. Yeah. I think when, when we're talking about that insecurity, it's really important that we acknowledge that having a toxic culture creates latent insecurity in everybody. Mm. So it's important, and I think the bullying behavior is one of those things where you're like, well, bullies are, are largely responsible for the toxicity in the culture. 
But I can also see where um, people who have a hard time admitting they're wrong, people who are trying to uh, argue for their point of view, um, I think a lot of times we see in those people, well, they're reacting to the crazy environment they've been in for so long. And so those are the, and so how do you tell the difference? That's what I'm getting at. How do you tell the difference between a person who's always obsessed with their own position, their being right, their own standing from the person who's like, this is, this is the best they can do. They're guarded. It's not a safe environment. They're, they're afraid of being wrong because of the consequences that come with failure in this culture that's become so toxic, toxic. How do you tell the difference between the person who's obsessed and the person who's just reacting to the environment? And the way that you tell is that as soon as the, if there's a leader there who's willing to be a little bit transparent and a little bit vulnerable and to say, Hey, I know we haven't always done the best job of giving you guys the grace to fail. I know we haven't always done the best job of hearing your ideas out and mm -hmm. been a little bit defensive. And maybe the, even there's, there was a person here last week who's not here anymore, who shot down every good idea and that needs to stop. And yep. I've allowed it to happen and I'm sorry for it. You can tell the difference because the people who've been reacting to the environment, they change overnight. It may take them a while to really trust what you're saying, but they have a sense of peace and calm and gratitude that wasn't there a week ago when that person who was the bully was shooting down every idea. And yep. they will start over time. They'll start to give ground. They'll start to ask for criticism. They'll start to weigh in with new ideas that are a little bit out there and that, that before might get shot down, but now they're willing to venture out. And, and they, they're not as obsessed with their own point of view because they're not as guarded and, and as uh, afraid as they were before. Right, yeah, because there's, there's never just one toxic person in the culture as far as, okay, that the toxicity is isolated to that one person is what I mean. So right. you, know, you have a cup of water and you, you drop a, a, just a droplet of red dye into it, it's gonna change the color of the entire water. And so yeah. that's typically what we see, even if we have that one bully that one person who is um, just m so much more about themselves than the rest of the team is going to impact the rest of the team there's going to be consequences yeah. of that so you mentioned a second ago a term status quo and so let's come back to that so i think that's the next thing that has to happen we have to address the status quo so yeah. talk about that yeah so you remove the toxic people but you also kind of have to make it clear um that because there, there may have been some people there who were scared to death of screwing up or scared to death of the bullies. The easiest place for them to retreat to is the status quo. Mm -hmm. The easiest place for them to go. They may say, they may not be like, hey, I'm not actively against people and I'm not throwing my weight around, but every new idea that comes in, I kind of push it away. The way we've done things, we've always done it this way. Right. That's kind of the way we know we're, we're up against the status quo issue. And yep. you have to address it. You have to say, listen, if you're here and you just want things to be the way they've always been, we've had a crappy culture. Yeah. And you're saying we want it to keep. No, we're not going to put up with that. Yep. We are not satisfied with things being the way they've always been. And you need to, you need to wrap your arms around that. And so it could be the case that, you know, you got rid of the really toxic bullies, but you've still got some people who are holding on to the status quo who aren't buying into this idea of we're going to change the direction of this culture and mm -hmm. we need all of you on board. And if that's the case, you're, you've got some really, really tough decisions to make. And I think these tough decisions fall into there's kind of three types of people that we see having to make these tough decisions around. The first one, first group is your longest standing employees. 
And these are people they've been, he's been here for 17 years. He helped start know? the company. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't understand on, you know, in our first year, it was me and him at the sales counter or it was me and him on the job site, or it was me and her at our kitchen table knocking this stuff out. Right. Um, and I can't, you're telling me it's not status quo, but this person has been here for 15, 16, 17 years. How do I move on? And unfortunately, like if that person's not going to get off the status quo, you have to move on or you have to just agree you're going to continue to have a, a culture going in the wrong direction. And with a longstanding employee, the, the one mechanism for that, I'm not saying it's the only one, I'm not saying, even saying it's the best one, but one that you should consider is just paying them a very, very nice severance package, right? right? Yeah. Like let's part, we're going to have to part. But I'm going to acknowledge in this severance package the 16, 17, 20, 25 years. And I want you to know that I care about you as a person. Um, I'm not saying anything about you as a person. I'm just saying for us to keep going forward, I don't see a way that we're going to do that because you don't want to come. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't want to come, I want to allow you a way out and I want to honor you. And I'm going to I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to pay you a very nice severance package. So let's say that severance package is twenty, thirty thousand dollars, just for example. Right. Talk about how much less that is than keeping that person around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we we've talked about a situation with a project manager, and this project manager is managing millions of dollars worth of projects every single year. And I threw out a number; it was like a hundred thousand dollars. Pay him a hundred thousand dollars for those sixteen, seventeen years. Um, it's going to be way cheaper than the effect it's having on the performance on that millions and millions of dollars worth of business. Right. But even if it's not millions of dollars worth of business, you have to understand, let's say that it's, um, it's a longstanding employee and there's three other people alongside this employee, same position, same job description, less tenure, a little bit less pay because they're not as tenured and maybe they're making a lot less. Uh, cause you've just been paying this person to, to show up for 17 years and they haven't really been performing well for the, maybe the last five or 10, mm -hmm. but you got three other people when you pay that severance and pay that person 30, $40,000, maybe 50, 60, 70% of what they're making. I don't know. Like the, my point is the number could be really, really large. If you look at what you're going to get from the three people who remain in terms of buy-in productivity, efficiency, fulfillment, yep. longevity, I'm telling you, it is the bargain of a lifetime, <laughs> right? right? That everybody gets hung up on the check that they're going to have to write to say goodbye. And it's like, uh, when they say buy once, cry once, mm -hmm. right? Like stroke the check. I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten calls with business owners who have made this decision. We've you know, pushed it, pushed it off, pushed it off, pushed it off. Finally gets to the point, like, I'm going to have to let this person go. You know, today's the day. Any final words of advice? And, nope. I think you know what you're going to say. I'm going to call you in the morning. I call them the next morning and they're like, man, I'm so looking forward to going to work today. <laughs> so uh, the money is not the main issue. The second group is business partners. Uh, this is a little bit more difficult. Let's say that you're in partnership with somebody who's either toxic or is just that status quo partner is like, I'm, you know, we're never going to change. None of this is possible. We're really not going to turn this company around. It just is what it is. It's the <laughs> right. industry we're in. How do you deal with a business partner? I mean, there's no severance package you can, I mean, you could buy them out, but let's say that's not an option because they don't want to be bought out. Right. Yeah. That's obviously a tougher situation. And we've actually seen this situation before. Uh, and when that business owner is 
causing a high level of toxicity in the company, the best conversation that you can have with them for the good of the company and ultimately their good is to talk about them moving into passive ownership. Right. So we make this distinction between your active role in the business as an employee, even though you may own stock in the in the partnership or shares in the partnership, and your role as a business owner. And the same way that I can go out today and I can buy shares of Microsoft or I can buy shares of Dell or I can buy shares of Amazon, and I have not one iota of influence over what happens at those <laughs> companies. I just get shares and I get a dividend check if they produce profits. That's the role we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So if you have a business partner who's that status quo stick in the mud or they're just playing out toxic to the culture, you need to isolate them from the rest of the team and just make them a passive owner. Mm -hmm. Convert their salary to dividends. You know, to, to the extent you can save on their salary, there's more profits left for the rest of the shareholders. And maybe you give them a special dividend or maybe you put them on a consulting arrangement, so to speak, and 1099 them out and pay them not to show up. Right? <laughs> Again, we get hung up on the dollars. But as, with a business owner, the effect on the rest of the team of allowing that person to stay is is 10x, 20x what it is for those three people who are alongside a, a status quo long-term employee. A business owner can signal their disbelief, lack of engagement, lack of buy-in to absolutely everything that you're going to try to do going forward, which means it's going to go nowhere. So if you don't remove the person, you might as well just sign up for the world that you've always had. You're not going to make as much of a difference. Right. Yeah, that's good. And then the third one would be key players. So what do we do with key players? Let's talk about, uh, for example, this is one of the top salesmen. They bring in a lot of money for the company, um, but high level of toxicity. Maybe they're that bully or just the me over team kind of person. Mm -hmm. And we just recognize they have to be removed in order for this culture to do 180. Yeah. And this is the, these are some of the hardest ones. And they're the, also the ones we see the most often. Yep. Um, I think the thing that helps you turn the corner, all of uh, everything we're talking about is a decision that you get to, right? Once you make the decision, you, you just execute on this decision. And it's not that it doesn't have consequence, like it's going to cost you money, right? So, but at the bottom, it is a decision. And the thing I think that it helps to get to, to make that decision is recognizing you've made a lot of money from these people. Mm -hmm. You have been more than willing to put up with all their crap, to put up with their toxicity, to put up with the status quo, because they've, it's, done, it's worked out well for you. And conversely for them, right? There's that highest paid salesperson, they've been one of the most highly compensated people in the company for a long time. Right. So you, once you realize that, you're just gonna have to move on, and that means weaning yourself off of the income that they've been generating and taking that highest paid salesperson and maybe going out and hiring two and having to pay the draw on two for six months until they can get up to speed and together they can cover the book of business that that one person was able to, to bring in. But it's a, you know, you made the choice to, to benefit from it. Now you're going to have to make the choice to wean yourself off to eventually get to a better place. Right. And at the end of the day, from a production standpoint, everybody's replaceable. Absolutely. I'm replaceable. Devin's replaceable. Absolutely. <laughs> so don't think that Joey's you can't replaceable. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't think you can find someone. I, I didn't say you, you know, obviously that <laughs> 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 you can find someone who, who, that you can't find someone who yeah. can come in and pull the same. Product. And if you're struggling with that, um, you know, talk to us because we can give you, we, if you don't know them, we might even give you their actual names, but you know, we, <laughs> right. we've had, I can think of four right now, top of mind, four, of the top earning salespeople that businesses a year ago who aren't there now because the ownership made a brave decision, a proactive decision to move on. Mm -hmm. And the company, everybody would admit they are in a much better place culturally 
And I would say three of the four are in a better place financially. The one that, that I would not put in there, it's only because it's only happened in the last few weeks. And financially, they are still in that weaning off period, right? They're, they're not doing as good financially because they're having to wean themselves off the production of that person. But they're going to get there. I would say in another three or four months, they will be financially better off. They would already admit they're better off culturally. Yep. So to sum it up, if you feel like your team wakes up in the morning dreading coming to work and they're all living for the weekend, you got to have a culture 180. (laughs) And it's going to involve some tough decisions. If there's anything we can do to help you with that, uh, let us know. Learn from our mistakes because I guarantee you we've screwed up a few of these in the past. We'll (laughs) tell you what not to do in another podcast uh, in addition to what to do. Uh, Have a great week. We'll see you back next week. 